Welcome to For the Long Run, the podcast exploring the why behind what keeps runners running long, strong, and motivated. I'm your host, Jonathan Levitt. I've been running for a few years now and have the privilege of meeting many incredible runners on my travels all across the country. This podcast is intended to share those amazing conversations. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. This week's guest is Dorothy Beal. Dorothy has run over 40 marathons and is a mom, business owner, writer, and creator of the I Have a Runner's Body movement and the Milepost account on Instagram. In this episode, we talked a lot about social media and how Dorothy uses and has used it over the years as she's been blogging for longer than most people have been using social media. As one of the most consistent voices out there in the running world, she puts out a lot of great information and we had a fun conversation about her running and why she chooses to approach it in the way that she does. Dorothy loves to race marathons, often running several within the same training cycle. Having had run 41 at the time of this recording, she knows a thing or two about listening to her body versus following what other people are doing, which we dove into a bit more. We also talked a lot about mental health, as both of us have been very vocal about the benefits we've seen from therapy. This was another episode that was really just a fun conversation between two friends, and I hope you enjoy. Welcome back. I'm here in Boston with Dorothy Beal. Uh, Dorothy, thank you for flying to Boston just for this podcast. <laughs> Thanks for having me. Of course. Um, so Dorothy is a marathoner, uh, Instagram celebrity, uh, an influencer, even though she, um, you know, doesn't like doesn't the like the word. <laughs> uh, all of the above, mom. Uh, expert in running, all the all that good stuff. Um, so Dorothy, thanks so much for uh, for joining today. Thanks. I'm excited to chat. For sure. So you've been running for a while. You've done uh, a handful of marathons at this point. Um, what is it about running that, that keeps you coming back? Let's start with a, a heavy hitting question right from, the, like, right from the gun. <laughs> that would be like pausing. Um, yeah, I don't know. I mean... I just love it. I love the way it makes me feel. I love the community. Um, I love marathons, obviously. I think there's something about proving to yourself over and over that um, you can do something that you once thought impossible. Um, I guess I just like how I feel after. Nice. Um, so you run 41 at this point. Um, what was your What was your first marathon? Um, I ran my first marathon in 2003, and it was Marine Corps Marathon, and it still is one of my favorites. I've done it 10 times, and I am signed up to do it again this fall. That is exciting. One thing that you mentioned is um, sort of exploring boundaries and then like reestablishing uh, – a way I like to, to frame it is like reestablishing what's normal and, and pushing your limits and exploring um, exploring that. How do you – how do you balance the the desire to to achieve new normal with like 
the love of the routine and and following a routine so that you can push yourself on race day because right because you can't push yourself and and explore these limits on a daily basis so what's the what's it like for you who loves to race so much but also needing to put the training in to to get there how do you how do you sort of balance that or how do you choose what you're racing yeah another well, way to look at it i guess i would say that like once i became a mom there was no routine in my life <laughs> which i know sounds funny since so many people like try to establish routines with their kids but it's not that i'm against routine it's that you know as soon as you find some sort of routine something changes um whether that's like a life change or you know they're getting older or they're doing different things and so I guess over the past um, almost 13 years, I've just kind of learned to accept that like my routine is no routine, if that makes sense. Um, But also I've kind of had to take that into, um, or that has kind of just spilled over into how I train. Um, I've had to be a lot less, um, you know, not get upset if I miss certain runs or um, don't quite stick to the same type of training schedule that I see other people doing. Um, But on the plus side, I think that that has allowed me to listen to my body a lot more and decide um, like, hey, you know, I don't feel great today. And I also have all this other life stuff that I need to do. So I'm not going to run and to not feel bad about that. I know that, you know, a lot of people are like, oh my gosh, it's a rest day, or oh my gosh, I skipped a run, and I'm kind of just like, whatever, <laughs> like I skipped a run, or... But were you always that way? No, I mean, I think I was very, I think there was a period of time where I was very obsessive over it, where it was like, you know, have to get in the mileage that's on the plan, or have to get in the mileage, and then some. Yeah. Um, or if you miss it, you have to make it up. Yeah, kind of yeah, for sure. And I think, um, you know, maybe part of it is just getting older, I don't know, um, or just trying to establish what, for me, is a healthier relationship with running. Um, but yeah, so I think because I train mostly listening to my body like I know what needs to be done I know hey I need to do a long run or you know I need to have an easy day following a hard day you know there's kind of just like a general outline um it allows me to run more marathons (laughs) than I probably should um and you've done a a handful of back-to-back marathons as well And, and one thing that you've that I thought was cool is you've talked a lot about like don't follow other people. It's like, do what makes you happy, do what makes your body continue to function, um, and figure out your own, your own needs. Do you want to talk about like doing the back-to-backs earlier this year and maybe some of the, the feedback you got from that and sort of how you, how you just said, screw it, I'm doing what makes me feel good. Yeah. I mean, so I essentially from the get-go have run back-to-back marathons. I, um, one month after running Marine Corps in 2003, I um, ran Philadelphia Marathon. And I actually, um, if I am remembering correctly, improved my time by about six minutes, which I think was kind of like the catalyst to be like, hey, this is fun. <laughs> and like you don't always necessarily have like a worse race. 
um, the second time around. Um, what I define as like a worse race or a better race has definitely changed way back then. It was like only time, you know, um, as, as the way I saw improvement. Um, but yeah, I mean, of course there's always going to be people that judge what I do. I mean, the first time I was trying to go sub four, I, I ran Chicago marathon before I ran Marine Corps marathon and I ran a PR at Chicago and, and friends and people that knew me were like, yeah, that's awesome. Congrats. But like you totally blew your chances of going sub four at Marine Corps. And I was like, okay, I mean, that's cool. Like a, that's a risk I'm willing to take, but also like I know my body and I know what I'm capable of. And I, and I think that I actually now am going to go sub four. Like this race just gave me that confidence, um, gave me a little bit of fitness boost booth cause it boost. Um, if I'm remembering correctly, I think they were three weeks apart. Um, and yeah, I ran a three fifty nine, So I, I achieved my goal. Um, and I think little things like that, um, helped me realize that like everyone's different, you know, and I'm not out here trying to tell people that they should do what I do. I'm also not saying that I'm anybody special that I'm like superhuman and can do it. And you can't like, if it's something that somebody wants to do, I absolutely think, um, I'm an average person and I do it. So, um, you can probably do it too. But I think it really just comes down to listening to your body and then also just having um, different expectations and different goals. And I know a lot of people will be like, well, you can't possibly be racing them. Like you're just using them as long runs. And like, I understand that sentiment also. Um, but like when I enter into a training cycle and have multiple marathons back to back, when I am running that first race, I'm absolutely giving my all. I just know that I'm only one third of the way through my race at the end of that race. So I pace myself according to that. Um, so it's not that I'm jogging them and using them as right. long runs. You know, like I would look at it like when you do a relay race, you know, like you are absolutely giving your all Maybe on that sweat. day. Yeah taking into consideration what you still have left, right. you know, and how you want to feel on those other ones. So, yeah, I mean, I think it's just, it's so easy, especially in this day and age with so much social media to get caught up in what other people are doing. And there's been periods of time where I definitely have gotten caught up in what other people are doing. Um, and periods of time where I judged what other people are doing, but like, it doesn't matter what other people do, you know, like yeah. I don't, I don't need to judge them. I don't need to be concerned with their training and I can look at it in a, Oh, that's cool. Or in a, Oh, Hey, I don't really feel like running, but you know, I just saw my friend ran on Strava. So maybe I'll get my butt out the door type of way, but I don't really need to dive into like how someone's training, you know? Yeah, yeah. Like, because what works for one person is not going to work for another. And like, I think it's great to take inspiration and example from people, but like do your own thing. Yeah. So everyone always says, listen to your body. Yeah. And it's, you know, the most overused, I don't want to say overused, but yeah. everyone's saying it, but what does that mean for you? What is, what is listening to your body? Yeah. Well, I think a lot of times that people say, listen to your body or they say, Oh, I was listening to my body. And that's something that you're just saying. 
Um, but I think when you truly are listening to your body, you're being honest with yourself. And so I think that's part of why, um, you know, like last year I used a marathon as my last long run before I ran Big Sur. And I absolutely was jogging it as a long run. I wasn't racing it. I wasn't using it as, you know, the first leg on on a relay type of thing. Um, and I think that there's a difference when you can be honest with yourself and know that you're jogging it versus telling everybody else that you're jogging it, <laughs> but really racing it. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, I guess that's what I would say when it comes to listening to your body, just having the confidence to know what works for you. You know, I, I, I get a lot of people that will message me and be like, you know, how do you run easy on your easy days? Like, I just find it so embarrassing what my easy pace should be. And I'm like, well, why is it yeah. embarrassing? Like, I don't understand that. I get really excited when my easy runs are in the nines. Yes. Like, I'm just like, yes, I did it, you know? <laughs> and I'll be bummed out if, like, I finish my easy run and it says, like, 8.59. I'm like, dang it. <laughs> I went too fast. You know, just own that and... What's there to be embarrassed about? Like, you know, anyone listening right now, 99.999% of those people do not know what my PRs are in any distance, you know? And so, like, am I any different of a person if you right. happen to know my PR or not know my PR? So I think listening to your body is just owning where you're at and being confident in that and not defining your self-worth, um, just in the time on the clock or on your watch. For sure. um, sort of along the same lines, but also sort of opposing it. Um, I've noticed a trend on Instagram of people owning their easy runs. And yeah. it's so cool. Um, there's a handful of people that are posting, you know, the nine minute runs and yeah. the 10 minute runs and like being mindful of the fact that like that's somebody's mile PR. Yeah. And it's like a tough balance between like, wanting to share the hard workouts, wanting to share the easy runs and being mindful that like your slow is somebody else's fast. Um, but that being said, like every time I run easy in the nines, I post it and yeah. I, I love it. Um, and it means you're, you're beat. Like you did something hard and yeah. you deserve that rest or deserve that recovery. I think it definitely is a hard balance in wanting to share, um, your paces, yeah, but and you're also at the same time. Yeah. I mean, I love <laughs> numbers. I'm like, I love numbers. Um, but I'm also the same person that like preaches, like don't define yourself worth by numbers. <laughs> right. even but it's I a cool way to, to measure your own progress. Yeah. I think that everyone has to find like their, what they feel is healthiest for them to share and not share. And I know I wrote an article once for Women's Running and, and the article talked about that I had slowed down and that I was slower than I had been in the past. And I never said- Were those your words? I never, yeah, well, I never said slow. They were my words. I never said slow. I said slowed <laughs> and slower. And the comments on that article on Facebook were, Facebook were just like ripping me a new one. Um, you know, like th this girl thinks that's slow and I can't believe that. And, <laughs> and I was like, I never said slow, but 
the experience made me more cognizant of the fact that like sometimes you can be very self-conscious of your pace. And I know that when I first started running my first 10 K, my top speed was 11 minute miles. And so if I had seen somebody that was posting something where their average was, you know, seven thirty, and they were like, yeah, I really slowed down, you know, that might have, have had a negative impact on me. So I actually love now that Strava is around that I'm an, an, act in, an active user of that because I mostly keep my paces to Strava. So like occasionally I'll post my paces on Instagram, but for the most part, um, I just share how many miles I ran, not what the paces are. And then I say, if you want to know the details, yeah, you're welcome check to check it yeah. out on Strava. <laughs> but like, if you're not that type of person, um, I just like want to create a space where everybody feels welcome and, and not judged. Um, cause I'm not judging you and I, and I hope you're not judging me. So definitely let's dig into that more. Um, I run this body. What's, what's that all about? Yeah. So I need to like come up with like a snappy way of describing it. <laughs> um, it was born out of a quote that I used to repeat to myself um, on long runs to kind of help myself get through it. Um, when I first started running, I would memorize quotes that I would say to myself um, as my long runs got longer. And if you could um, remember them at the end, you weren't running hard well, enough. So is that this the- is, well, this is what happened is that by the end, your brain kind of, or my brain would become mush. Right. I couldn't remember the whole quote. And so this one particular quote by the end of my long run became, I run this body. And I would just say that over and over to myself. And I would be like, no, you want to walk? And he'd be like, no, you don't. Like, (laughs) I run this body and I keep on doing it. So that's kind of where I was born out of. Um, But yeah, it became my brand name and I started the hashtag. And I need to look what it's at, but it's probably like right around 500,000 or something. Um, But yeah, so it's just kind of like about owning who you are and making your mind run your body Um, I totally believe in the mind-body connection, and I think that there are a lot of things in life that I have been capable of doing that I probably, if somebody looked at it on paper, they would be like, nope, there's no way that girl can do that. Um, But I think when you um, have a strong mind, you can quite literally run your body. So Definitely. Um, I think it's interesting that so many people train their body, but they don't train their mind. Yeah. And... I've done a lot of reading around mental strength and mental training and I had, I've had some of my best races and best workouts because of that mind body connection and being able to like tap into that. Like you get to do this. This is a choice choosing discomfort, that type of like not going into a workout, expecting it to feel good, but rather expecting it to hurt. Like once you make that shift, there's a massive like leap that, that yeah. you can take from a physical standpoint. Like you're the same person, you're the same fitness level, but you're able to like unlock that next level. So what what are some of the things that you've done over the years that have allowed you to make that leap, you know, from, as a normal person, being able to do extraordinary things? Yeah, well, I think one mindset shift was that, you know, running doesn't owe me anything. Like we show up at runs and we want to have like a perfect feeling day. And like that 
magic doesn't happen every single day. And I don't expect it to happen every single day. I expect that a lot of the runs I go on are are not going to feel good. So I think kind of accepting that has helped out a lot. Um, And then I guess another big mindset shift is like, I try my best not to complain about running anymore. Like, I right. If you don't to, want to run, don't run. <laughs> yeah, and I just I go like so. I started blogging in two thousand nine, and I go back and read some of these blog posts, and it was like every single run was like this epic battle <laughs> that like I needed to, and I had this go wrong and that go wrong, and I didn't have sleep, and, and I, then I dug nursing, into the demons and, and summoned strength way, from, <laughs> and like I just read them, and I'm just like, oh girl, <laughs> like it really wasn't that complicated, like. You had a bad run. Who cares? You still ran. And that's not to like discount the fact that people have bad runs, but like I just don't do that anymore as a matter of practice. Like, yeah, I have bad runs. They happen. And I try not to complain about them too much. And occasionally it'll get to me, but like I just try to not get so emotional. I think that, and I don't know if this was how it was when I started. But I think sometimes people feel, or maybe I shouldn't say other people, I think I felt that I had to make everything dramatic in order to fit in. Like I had to get to work and be like, oh, my seven miler sucked so bad. Instead of just being like, yeah, I ran some miles. It wasn't the greatest, but like it was seven miles, you know? Um, I think I had to do that in order to fit in. And I still think there's the temptation sometimes like, you know, I really wanted to run a BQ. I ran Tokyo this spring and I thought I had it in the bag. Like I was saying like, oh yeah, I hope I BQ. But I was like in my head, like, oh, this is a given, you know, like the fitness is here. Even if everything goes wrong, like I'm still going to run a BQ. And then I didn't. Um, and I think that there's the temptation to like, beat yourself up or like write this long Instagram caption and be like, you know, I trained so hard for so long. And, and instead of just being like, yeah, I missed my goal. And like, does that mean that I wasn't upset inside? Like, yeah, I was a little upset, but like, I also have perspective. You know what I mean? Like I ran a marathon in Tokyo. How amazing is that? You know, am I really going to be crying over three minutes? Like it's just, there are bigger things in life to cry over than the three minutes. Um, and that's not to discount being upset because I've definitely cried a lot over a lot of <laughs> things time, related yeah. to running. But like, you know, I just think that, um, I think there, I don't have to make a big deal about it. You know, I think the more that you make a big deal about it, it builds it up in your head. And then you enter into the next training cycle being like, Oh, I missed my goal. And, what was all the what was the point of all those you know like early mornings or late nights or squeezing in workouts when it doesn't have to be that way you can just have an attitude of gratitude that like you ran a marathon in Tokyo or you ran a marathon period or maybe marathons aren't your distance (laughs) and you ran a 5k like it's all awesome you know so how do you how do you achieve that balance of like self-acceptance while also like you're pretty public with with your running, with your goals and where you're racing and things like that. Um, do you ever feel pressure to perform? 
Yeah, I mean, definitely when I first started um, blogging and putting stuff on social media, I definitely felt a pressure. And I think also when I first started, I mean, I, I know that in, people get down on the internet and say that like it's not a nice place right now, but I think it is so much kinder and so much more welcoming than it ever was. Like when I first started blogging, I don't think a lot of people were nice. Like I think I got a lot of mean and judgmental comments um, that were either emailed to me or said to me or left. And that kind of like created this feeling that I had to perform. And I don't know, I guess it's taken a lot of self work, self work. Um, and I've definitely gone to a lot of therapy. (laughs) Um, yeah, I mean, I, I just, I, want to accept myself like life is too short to be worried about living up to somebody else's expectations and you know someone um the other day got pissed at me about something and and I wanted to get upset about it I wanted to explain myself to them and be like well that's not the case and blah blah and I was like you know what, Dorothy, you are actually doing something right because you don't want everyone to like you. Like if you, if everybody in this world liked you, you would stand for nothing. And when you stand for something, there are going to be people that don't like you, that judge you, that criticize choices or actions that you make. And like, that is okay. Um, yeah, that's this. not easy to do. Yeah. It takes a while to get there. But, you know, the more I see other men and women doing that, the easier it is for me. And then I realize that, like, if those people helped me and don't even know it, that I'm probably helping people, too. And it encourages me to kind of just, like, live my it's so cliche, but like authentic, <laughs> Best life. <laughs> authentic and true self, you know, <laughs> Um, I just, life is too short. I don't, I don't want to live it for somebody else. Totally. I can't remember if I've had this conversation with you or if it was with Amelia, uh, Amelia Boone, but it's like, I remember saying like 10% of people will disagree with you or dislike you no matter what. And so the bigger your audience gets, the bigger that small piece of the pie becomes. Yeah. It's like, like you said, you can't satisfy everyone. You don't want to satisfy everyone. And it's just a shame that like people are mad at someone who's putting out good stuff. Yeah. Like Amelia, you know, publicized her her um, eating disorder that yeah. she's been that she's been dealing with over the last you know since she was in high school, and people are people are bashing her on on that. It's like I think yeah. you're coming at it from a very like wrong standpoint. Like somebody has opened up. And and you are trying to to bring them down. They're helping other people, and you're trying to hurt them. Like, yeah. But but the the point is like those people are going to exist no matter what. And if if those people don't exist, then you're not pushing the boundaries enough in a way that is I don't say meaningful, but like you're not stirring the pot. And like I enjoy stirring the pot. <laughs> and I'm like, pe- I don't on purpose stir the pot just for the no, record. I, just I don't for mean, the record. I don't mean, I don't mean I enjoy pissing people off yeah, and yeah. Run, you know, ruffling feathers, but like I enjoy putting myself out there and, and being, um, confident enough in yeah. what I'm saying that yeah. like people are going to disagree with me. Um, I've, I've been, you know, open about rest and recovery and people that are over racing and, you know, doing yeah. things that are, um, 
damaging, I guess. Yeah. And, like, I've gotten feedback, like, stay in your lane. Like, you're yeah. not an expert, blah, blah, blah. Well, I think for you, it's also, like, you come at it from a different angle because it is also, like, your line of work. Right. You know what I mean? And so you come at it from that, like, critical eye. Um, yeah, I stay in your lane is like such an annoying phrase to me because I'm just like, what is my lane? And maybe I want to switch lanes. Right, yeah. Maybe I like being my in blinkers the, maybe on. I'm I like turning left. In the middle of the lane, like you know, well, like, it's fast lane. It's I just, like the fast you know, lane. <laughs> like I, yeah, I'm not a, I'm not a fan of that phrase. Even though sometimes I. I'm, I have to like always give a disclaimer because I'm going to say like I'm not a fan of that phrase. Then someone's going to like dig up <laughs> You're something. Say it next week. Yeah. Someone digs up a something. Tweet from I 2012. Said, it's going to be like she said, "Stay in your lane," <laughs> and I'm going to be like, "Oh shoot." Um, but yeah, I think that you know everyone. Not everyone. Sorry, I have such a bad habit of saying that that everyone feels this way. But I I think that you know, we all want to live in a happier, more compassionate world. And that like starts with us. And I mean, I'm guilty of it too. I'm, I definitely sometimes can be like quick to judge something or someone. And then I have to like rein myself back in and be like, well, actually, why did you care? And like, does it matter? And no, also you don't know that person's full life and full story. I know like from my own experience, like a lot of people who have been following me for, you know, 10 plus years can feel like they know me. And while I love that, I love that people feel a connection to me. I only share part of my life, right. you know? And so it can be like, well, you know, how, how did da 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 da? And I'm just like, well, actually, all this other stuff was happening at that time that you had no idea about. Yeah, so how do, how do we balance the fact that, like, we're choosing what we curate on yeah. Instagram with the fact that, like, life is hard. And, like, I know you're going through some stuff right now. And yeah. you may not be sharing that publicly, but your runs look awesome and your travels look fun. And, like, how yeah. do how do we balance the, like being like you said being your authentic self but having limits yeah i i that's something i think about a lot because i mean there is so much more to me than just running but like if you followed my instagram account you would think yeah, it's a that's like account. yeah yeah it's like it's a running account but you'd also think that like my every waking moment was like thought i thought about running and and, you know, I'll have people in my life that'll come up to me and, like, start talking to me about running. And I'll have to be like, you know, I don't. <laughs> we can I'm talk gonna, about other things. We can talk yeah. about other stuff. Like, I don't actually care, you know. Like, I mean, I do care. But at the same time, like, I'm just like, that's just one part of my life. Yeah. And I don't need you to be interested in that if that's not your thing. Um, I guess I, I would, I guess maybe I would challenge the word curate because I think that it's not so much curating it's just knowing that there are things that you can't share or don't share out of like respect to other people in your life yeah. you know like I definitely hang out with friends and do other stuff but I don't 
post a lot of that on my Instagram account. And that's kind of like out of respect for my friends, yep. you know, that I'm like, I don't need to like plaster Have your them. phone out all the time. Yeah, yeah. I don't need to like plaster their lives right. on the internet and stuff. So, um, yeah, I think it is hard. I try to just say, you know, like I, last week I had what looks like on the outside, like a great week of running. Right. And I got a lot of messages like, it's so awesome. Your running is going so well. And like, I will take the compliment and I'll say thank you. But then I acknowledge like, I, I'm actually having a really yeah. hard time right now. And like that running was like my escape. Yep. So like, while it looks like great, you ran like 56 miles last week and you're kicking butt and I'm that not, was the I'm, high. I'm not yeah. actually kicking butt. Like, that was the high. And, like, the lows are pretty dang low right now, you know? And so. isn't it wild how that works? So, like, this spring, I went through some of the hardest personal times in my life. Yeah. Um, with relationships and family and getting out of relationships and things like that. And my running was better than it has ever been in my – I haven't been running for that long. But, like, it was the best it's ever been. Yeah. And and I was going into workouts and long runs like get uncomfortable. This is something you can control. You have all the power in this situation. Yeah. And be a fucking animal. Like yeah. do what do what you want to do in this moment. Yeah. And like it was the most therapeutic like I know it's good and it's bad. And I have seen both the good side and the bad side of it. I tell people that I try not to run on rage anymore. <laughs> um, but I have friends that like literally one time during a relay, my friend was like, get angry. Like before I started running, they were like, get angry, get angry right now. And like started just like recounting things that had pissed me off in the past couple of days to kind of play it up. Yeah. Because they knew how well I ran when I was angry because it was like, you just get out there yeah. and you just like, you know, but and you can harness great. that like yeah, a couple like of times. It's great. But then at the same time, I think it can leave you feeling so depleted. And so I try as much as possible not to run on rage. But yeah, but I think in, in exactly what you're saying, like when you're going through a tough time running can be something that you can control when there are other variables in your life that are very much out of your control, you know? Yeah. And it's tough because like, what if I got injured that week? Like what? Yeah. Like in I March, know. like then what? I like, know. Well, that's, <laughs> why, that's why you got to listen to your body. Yeah. Even when you're sad or mad or running on rage, you still have to listen to your body. Yeah. I think also going back to the listening to your body, I think the more that you actually do tap into yourself and listen the more you are able to listen to what your body is saying you know instead of just ignoring signs and pushing through things that maybe you shouldn't push through yeah i think that's a like a lesson that you learn over time um peter bronco put out an article recently about I don't want to call it the aging runner, but yeah. basically the aging runner. Um, Which is also crazy because he just turned 38 and I'm 37. And I was <laughs> like, damn, I'm like <laughs> at that age where we like start thinking of ourselves as old. <laughs> but, but that's like... but the point that he was making in the article is like he's in this like 
in this sweet spot where yeah. he's faster than he's ever been yeah. and he's smarter than he's ever yeah. been. And so it's this like very precious time where like you have the intelligence and the body to harness that intelligence into peak training. Yeah. And it's like this window that's just open for like a couple of years. Yeah. Well, I think that he probably doesn't give himself as much credit as he should in that most people at the age of 38 would think that they are already past the point. You know what I mean? And I think that when I tell people that I'm 37 and have three kids and that I still believe that my best years in running are ahead of me, I think some people give me the side eye. They're like, yeah, okay, lady. You know? When I'm like, no. No, it's true. I actually believe it. And, like, maybe if you were analyzing the numbers right now, you might not see it. But I feel it and deeply know it. Um, And the the way you talk about running is, like, I think the biggest indicator of longevity and success, it's like, it's not a chore. It's yeah. something you love. And even though it can feel right like a in chore the moment at, at times, it can feel like a, a chore. chore. Right. Yeah. Um, I think the, like one of the best indicators of like, how are you doing right now as a runner is like your temperament about running. Yeah. Like, are you excited to get out? on a yeah. daily basis, maybe not every day. Yeah. Um, does the thought of a race make you excited or are you, you know, neutral about it? Yeah. Um, yeah. Like, so I used to get so nervous before races. Like I would feel sick to my stomach about, Oh my gosh, how is this going to go? And I mean, yeah, I still get a little nervous before a marathon because I'm like, 26.2 miles, distance, like a yeah. long way to go. But like, I don't really get nervous because I'm just like, I'm going to show up. I'm going to give it my all. And like, it's going to go how it's meant to go, yep. you know? So yeah, I actually, I feel so much more fulfilled than I ever have with in like, as, as it relates to running, it's just kind of like this, Zen. <laughs> what big goals do you still have? Then I'm like, I'm, um, yeah. So I hate putting time goals when people are like, what are your goals? But I'd still love to get back to like where I was, um, before my fastest marathon is the 311. And I honestly would be very happy if my marathon time never changed because I really like 311. Like, I like the number 11. Oh, your number's special? <laughs> and so, like, if the if my marathon time never changes, like, that actually is cool. But, like, is that the a- distances beneath the marathon, yeah. um, like, my fastest 10-miler is a 106, and, like, I just love to hit 105. <laughs> you know, um... But Any those, 818s but, in there? No, no, yeah. If I could run like an 18, 18, 5K, um, <laughs> no, that would be in my dreams. Um, yeah, and all of the numbers are like kind of arbitrary in that 
I just want to hit them because I like like the way the numbers like look or sound. <laughs> like I know that's not something that like oh well that girl's not serious. Like she likes eleven on the end of her marathon. <laughs> but I mean, like I think you should just find what makes you happy. And like I'm smiling so right, big yeah. right now, <laughs> like thinking about how silly that is, but like I love it so. Yeah, but I mean, my my long term goal is always to just like I want to be that seventy year old woman at a marathon. Yeah. And so like that is also in my mind when I train. Like I'm like you know I could go deep into like the mental hurt locker, and I could only run one marathon in a training cycle, and like I really could do more speed, and you know I could change my my diet and do all these things, but like. I don't know that that would allow me to be running for the rest of my life. I think that I have the propensity to take things too far and to push too hard. And so with the goal of wanting to be that gray-haired grandma <laughs> at a marathon. That's um, amazing. You're going to have to change your handle. I kind of have to rein <laughs> myself back in. <laughs> yeah. What would my name be? A no. gray-haired grandma. That's got a nice <laughs> ring to it. I mean, at some point, I'll delete all my social media, <laughs> but maybe when I'm a grandma, I'll bring it back. <laughs> I, don't know. I don't know. What scares you? Um, Wasting my life. Yeah, for sure. I think that... Um, for a really long time, I thought not only was I ordinary, but that there was literally nothing special about me and that I didn't have anything to contribute to the world or to anybody else. And I think running has given me the confidence to know that, um, everyone has something special inside of them and everyone has something that they can contribute and that, um, I do have something con to contribute. I think that um, I'm especially cognizant of that now, now that I have a platform and I want to be able to use that platform to help others and make a change. Um, so I guess it's just figuring out best how to do that um, in a way that focuses more on others and less on myself, which sounds so weird because in order to grow a platform you have to be good at marketing yourself <laughs> but um yeah i think that's my biggest fear is just just wasting my life and looking back and being like dang like why'd you not do that you know so i try to rally a lot because like i was saying before <laughs> when i was telling you i wanted to take a nap I can sometimes get sucked into like just saying yes, no, into saying no, just being like, I'm just going to stay in my hotel or, you know, I'm not going to do this or I'm not going to do that. And I have to make a conscious effort to like rally to, um, and I think that also ties in. Like I, I suffered from social anxiety when I was younger, um, and so I think some of that is tied into that still, but I rally a lot because I don't want to waste my time here. You never know how much you're going to get. Yeah, it could get hit by a bus tomorrow. You never know. Yeah. Um, let's talk about therapy. Yes. It's something let's we've, talk about we've it. talked about a lot. Um, when did you start going to therapy? And, and 
do you think it's for everyone? Do you think everyone should see a therapist? Yeah, gosh, I don't even know when I started going to therapy. I know that when I was in college and really low and really depressed, there was a like campus counselor that I went to to talk to. Um, and that was beneficial, but I don't think I went enough. And, you know, um, I'm 99% sure none of that was covered by insurance, which I think is why I didn't go enough. Um, I think I went like a couple of times and then I was like, all right, well, this is yeah, expensive. this is really expensive and you know, I need to be able to buy beer on the weekends, <laughs> <laughs> but now that I'm older and wiser and more mature, um, yeah, I don't know when I started back up again. Um, but I started back up and consistently went every week for a period of time. Um, and it was so beneficial and I go through waves. Like I haven't, um, been to therapy recently, probably in the last six, seven months. Um, but I think that I love knowing that it's always there. And if I need to go back to it, I can. Um, and I've therapy for me has given me so many tools of ways to help myself. You know what I mean? And so, yeah, I think everybody could benefit from therapy. And I think that therapy is one of those things that people turn to in times of crisis. And I think people, more people should turn to it when everything's going great. Yeah. Because when you're in crisis mode, you need to already have the tools to help get you out of there. Um, but yeah, I think, uh, you know, when people like you and others share, like, therapy's cool, you know? Like, what's the problem? It's like a non-judgmental friend that, like, you can say anything to, you yeah. know? And it's not like with a friend if you're sharing, like, a thought where you're like, oh, don't judge me for this. Like, you don't have to say that to yeah, a therapist. You're like, this is, I have this really weird thought and this really weird feeling and I'm going to tell it to you. And then you tell it and they're like, okay. And then they help you unpack it. You know? It. Yeah. So, yeah, I think it's great. And I think that there shouldn't be any stigmas around it. And I do think it's going in that direction though. Yeah, for sure. That people, people aren't, I mean... I don't know your experience, but like no one has said to me, oh, that's so like, weird. Weirdo. Therapy. Yeah. Yeah. So when I tweeted about it for the first time, when I started going to therapy again consistently in last August, so it's almost been a year now. Yeah. I went as a kid um, from like third grade till high school. Yeah. Um, going through like a lot of depression as like a, as yeah. a little kid. Um, when I tweeted that I like I was going back to therapy, like I got like, 30 messages from people saying, oh, me too. I've been seeing a therapist. It's amazing. Yeah. But like, I didn't know this about any of these people. Yes. I love it when people share stuff because I think it's easy to suffer in silence, yeah. you know? And everyone's struggling with something. Everyone is struggling with something. Everyone. Um, and I think that's a good thing to like keep in mind when you're having interactions with anyone is just that you just don't know what kind of like personal stuff they're marching through. Yep. Um, yeah. And, and for me, um, I like sharing stuff on Instagram. Like I like saying, 
you know, I like being able to say like, hey, this is what I'm going through and I'm going to therapy. This is going to sound relatable. Yeah. But it's going to sound so weird, but like it's easier for me to share my thoughts and feelings with 70,000 <laughs> people that I don't know than it is sometimes with people that are closest to me. You know, I'll have friends read something on my Instagram and they'll be like, what? I had no idea you were feeling that way. And I'll be like, yeah, I am. And then it's like easier for me to talk about it with them. But there's just something about bringing it up. Um, you know, like you don't go out to lunch with your friend and you're not like, hey, so I've been really depressed for like <laughs> three months, like not showering, yeah. you know, but if something you just put out there, then for me personally, it's been easier having people come to me and be like, whoa, I saw you're struggling. Yeah. Like I'm here if you need me. But I think part you of that is I mean? like being, I don't want to say authentic with friends, but like being more than surface level it's like it's uncomfortable yeah but it's fun and when it gets yeah. like i tweeted the other day like you need friends who you don't answer it's you know i'm good yes. like those are the conversations I, yeah. that like that are amazing and and when you ask somebody like how are you doing and you don't you're not expecting like I'm doing awesome as the reply like, yeah that's where it should happen yeah it's hard though because in order to like, you also have to find those people. Right. You know what I mean? Like you and I are the that type of friend where you're like, "Hey, how are you doing?" Right. And I'm like, "Actually, I'm doing awful." Yeah. And here's why I'm doing awful. And but not everyone can handle that right. because it is an uncomfortable thing for some people. So for me, like once I can see that somebody will be accepting of me if I give them the full truth, it's easier for me. Um, but it is hard with some people if they ask you how you are and you tell them how you are. Yeah, and some then, people are not expecting well, that, and nor then, do they want they just, it. Yeah, yeah, and then they just don't respond for like a month, and you're like, okay, like, noted. Oops, went like, too far. <laughs> yeah, and so for me, then I like dwell on that, and I'm like, should I say the wrong thing? Should I not have said that? And so I think that is part of what makes it easier to share um, on social media sometimes than with other people. If that Definitely. makes sense. Yes. That was like the and a long, longest <laughs> convoluted answer. Um, I think that's a good place to wrap up. Um, yeah. Dorothy, thanks so much for 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 chatting on the podcast. And I know we took this in a bit of a different direction than, uh, than it normally goes. Um, but I think it was a good one. I think people will enjoy and, and appreciate it. Um, where can we find you on social media? I am mile posts on just about everything. So M I L E P O S T S like add that S <laughs> at the end, like the mile markers on the street or trails or the restaurant on route three heading to the Cape. <laughs> <laughs> You're going to start noticing it everywhere. <laughs> exactly. It's, um, it's, I laugh every time because it's almost at mile marker 26.2, which is just, it's meant, meant to, to be. be. So yeah. on that note, uh, well, thanks for having me. Of course. Thank you so much. That's it for today's episode. Like many long runs, it's sad when it has to end. I hope you join in next week on For the Long Run. And in the meantime, happy trails. 
If you've enjoyed this episode, it would mean a lot to me if you shared it so that others can find it and enjoy it too.